Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, we are. Holy shit. This is the show? This is the show, man. Yeah. If you've ever tuned in. You're doing a great job. Notice that it just starts like in the middle of a syllable. Yeah. He's heard. You've listened. Yeah, it's yeah. like Schrodinger's podcast. You know, you don't know if you're on a podcast, you have to assume both. <laughs> exactly. It's fun when we get people to talk about shit they don't want going out over the air. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a great and idea. Then, and then we use it anyway. And then yeah. we use it anyway, yes, to ruin our careers. Um, well, thank you for coming in. We're, we're um, uh, I think, I'm, we're think I'm, I'm, I'm pretty on top of the scheduling here. This is actually going to come out during Beyond Fest. Oh, um, clever of us. What? Clever of us. Very clever of us. Uh, I don't know. We, we talked about having you on before and it was like, yeah, we should do it. That's yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get it. That's a terrible thing you do to people. You know, we're like, yeah, we can get him anytime. We'll be fine. <laughs> and in fact, Larry Karaszewski at one point sent me a text just out of the blue. He's like, Hey, you should have Grant on. We're, like, yeah, we're, we're going to, yeah, <laughs> we're going to have Grant on. We're going to have Grant on. And then somehow I, something happened and it just hit me and I was like, Oh, I wonder if we get him in time for beyond. And it just, it turned out. Um, our guest is, uh, this week, Grant Moninger, who is a, Programmer at the American Cinematheque and Beyond Fest. Um, both of things are happening here in Los Angeles, but that have repercussions throughout the entire world of cinema lovers and mm-hmm. everywhere that uh, you hear this podcast, including, um, I think we have one listener in Macedonia now. Oh. Little map. You can see where people are, how many we're, people. We're big behind that. <laughs> exactly how many people are listening. There's, I love when you find the place where there's just one person. <laughs> I, like, I think about those people. We think about you. We love you. <laughs> Get a friend. <laughs> Tell them to listen on their own. This is The Movies That Made Me with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. Anyway, Grant here. Grant um, um, has been uh, programming at the the Egyptian for, oh my God, oh man, Dec- over a decade. Yeah, ten it, to fifteen years. It's, it's yeah. seen him come and he's seen him go. Yeah, exactly. And and the American <laughs> and now there are new changes. It's yes, um, but the the Cinematheque is such a vital and essential uh, uh, resource in Los Angeles. And On weekends, it will be now. Yeah, and um, um, <laughs> and it's at the Arrow Theater. And the Air Theater, correct. Uh, and I just, I mean, personally, I got to say, it's its um, its at the old Egyptian theater. Mm-hmm. Um, my own personal history, literally the first movie I ever worked on, uh, I saw, the first time I saw my name on a screen was at the Egyptian. A bunch of us who worked on Masters of the Universe went to see it there in whatever it was, 1987. Um, and then also had the premiere of uh, History of Violence there, which is very exciting. Yeah. So I've, I've, I've gotten to spend a lot of red-letter days at the... Uh, at the Egyptian, it's um, it's a wonderful place. The Film Noir Fest every year, which is just has been going on now for since ninety eight. Twenty twenty one years. Yeah, yeah, we're coming up on twenty one right. years of that. I mean, it's just it's a beautiful theater with an amazing sound system and incredible screen, and the people who work there are just are are. And most huge. importantly, Beyond Fest and Beyond Fest, which is going on probably as this uh, as this drops the. 
the dates on Beyond Fest are, wait, I wrote them down, September 25th to October 8th. Right. Um, do you want to do, do a brief description of what Beyond Fest is? For yeah, it's the uh, highest attended genre festival in the United States now. We sold 8,000 tickets in one day. We wow. started out, uh, me and this guy Christian, uh, we kind of made a deal. We said if you could bring the band Goblin in, I would do this fest. And I didn't trust that he could do it, but he somehow pulled it off. So That's I right. gave him 15 days, and we've just been working uh, ever since we're was starting that off. Was the first one? It was the first one. That's oh, wow. how it all began. I would amazing, never have though. given anyone that theater had they not promised me they could bring Goblin in for three days. Were you there for Goblin, Joe? I don't think so. That was that was incredible. Yeah. That was just that was amazing. Uh, they were they were great. So this year we got Richard Stanley coming out for Color Out of Space, Taika Watiki's Jojo Rabbit. We got uh, Bong Joon Ho coming for Parasite, Elliot Gould for uh, Long Goodbye. Uh, a lot of your guests, Joe Bob Briggs, uh, Karen Kasuma for Jennifer's Body. Yeah, yeah. of course Scott and Larry for mm-hmm. Dolomite. Yes, so it's a lot of your your people. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, it's it's broadcast from the lobby. Uh, we, <laughs> <laughs> we should. It'll be a way to get into those sold out shows at least. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's an amazing uh, uh, selection of stuff you've got this year, as ever. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun, and you you're obviously involved in all of this stuff because you're uh, you love movies. Yeah, I love movies. You love movies. Um, you've been watching movies for what? Probably most of your life, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, I've been watching movies I shouldn't have been watching at a very early age, forever, and I think that's probably uh, has scarred me or or made me grow in some sort of weird way. But that's what I kind of want to. I want to. My the point is, is, it made you exactly. It did make Man. me. <laughs> you guys had Bill Hader on here, and there's yes, like, oh, did. the movies that made Bill Hader. But I'm not that successful, so the movies are kind of suspect. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you're still in the making. Exactly. That's right. The movies that are still making. Um, I don't know. We had a brief conversation. I just, all I knew was, I was like, Grant's going to be great. I don't even like, what do you want to do? He told me, I was like, yeah, great. That'll be fine. And I promptly forgot. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Professional podcasting. Maybe Daniel Waters did the kind of similar thing, but I want to talk about experiences because my job is to show movies to people and give them an experience. Right. So I want to watch you talk about a little bit of the experiences of watching films and how they affected me at certain ages or places and times. And how different they are when you watch them in the theater with an audience. Well, I don't think I'll ever uh, get that feeling of watching The Naked Gun at 13, where all I loved was the Marx Brothers, Monty Python, and baseball. And I was laughing so hard that I was the part where uh, Mel Allen's doing the how about that, and the guy gets hit by a car in second base, and then a lion attacks him. I had to get up out of this chair turn away from the screen and put my head down on the uh, the seat and cover my ears because the jokes with Naked Gun come so fast. <laughs> if I heard one more, I was going to be sick. And I was convulsing. It was, and I'll never, I'll chase that dragon forever. I will never laugh at anything the way that that movie hit me at that exact time. Right. Isn't that a great, yeah, yeah, it's funny. Um, I mean, I think a couple, like we talked about, like I went to the hospital once. They thought I had appendicitis and finally they figured out, no, I had been at, um, I think it was night at the opera and had just been laughing so hard. I had <laughs> done something to myself and somehow, and then the, the second Pink Panther movie. The, uh, well, no, I guess, yeah, the second Pink Panther, the third Clouseau film, Return of the Pink Panther, uh, which somehow, yeah, I saw around that same age you were uh, at Naked Gun. The night at the opera, the curtain scene gets kids every yeah. time. You could hear them in the street. I yeah. saw night at the opera in Woodstock, New York at summer camp in 1961. And, um, it was on a double bill with a day at the races, which is the way they used to program that picture. And um, I have never seen an audience in such stitches to the point that literally people were getting up and leaving. Yeah. Going up into the lobby because they were <laughs> laughing so hard they couldn't breathe. Yeah, yeah. That's the feeling. And yet, so I said, well, this is obviously one of the funniest movies ever made. 
So I got a chance to take uh, some friends of mine, uh, I was in college, to a theater in Philadelphia to see it. And it was an old theater run down underneath a trestle. And there were like three people in the audience. And of course, oh, it just, just sat there, there. Oh, because God. it's made for it was it was is scientifically timed yeah. for audiences. Yeah. I mean, they 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 went to a lot of trouble to take it out on the road and leave spaces for the laughs. And it was it's it's a fine tuned machine. And yeah. when you watch it by itself with nobody there, there's these big long stretches of well, nobody's saying anything. You know, it's yeah. and it's just. It's it's one of the movies that I always use as an example of you. It's not the same movie if you don't see it with an audience. So we show yeah. it every uh, January first. We start. We've done that for 16, 15 years. My whole time there, we do a Marx Brothers double feature to start the year. And there's so many yeah. kids. It's like the greatest way to start your year you can possibly get. That's great. Have yeah. You ever, have you ever noticed that that movie starts in the middle of a scene? Oh, yeah. the, the 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 credits are over. The director credit fades out, and then it cuts directly into the middle of a scene with Groucho and maybe Margaret Dumont, as if at the preview, somebody said, well, we've got to take that out. And they didn't bother doing anything, but just cutting it. It's like the podcast. <laughs> this is Thalberg. I mean, these, these pictures the are supposed to be, they're supposed to be finessed, you know. Yes. But I'll, I've, I've talked to people over the years and no one has ever seen anything other than that beginning. That's hilarious. So I want to explain the lengths at which we went to as, uh, when I was a kid, uh, to see movies uh, yeah. in the country. So I grew up in uh, what you would say the country, but you wouldn't say the country, you'd say the woods. <laughs> we were surrounded 360 by trees for like miles. And we weren't just away from people, we were in a valley. So we were also away from the sky. And uh, you could not get television reception because you were in a valley Jesus. in the middle of nowhere. So my family had built this uh, device where we would take a TV antenna to get television because we were obsessed with television. Uh, we would take two poles and then we had another pole and then put the aerial into the antenna on there. Then we had to dig fence posts that went a mile down through the woods with two wires that would go all the way through the woods into the four televisions that were uh, of various kinds into uh, the house. And then it would snow and then someone would have to get out. And I, I think this is what gave me my job because I was like five or six. So we had to use a CB system. So if the antenna was turning in one place, it went to West Virginia and you could get like 24. So you could, uh, you could watch Blake Seven or Doctor Who. And then if you turn it the other way, it's going to Pittsburgh. And then you get four and two and seven. So my brother and my dad would be on the CB. And I'd be like five or six. And then they'd go, all right, we're turning the antenna an inch. And I'm like, all right, two has doubles. Four, four looks good. Seven has some snow. Uh, Eleven, I don't know. And then you have to go like, well, nine and eleven are both NBC. So then I'm trying to do that math in my head. And then they turn it the other way, and I'm like, all right, now we got ghosts on two and four. And it was super stressful as a kid. And then they'd cut drive back down. They'd come in, and they're like, oh, Grant, there's ghosts on four. You see ghosts? And I was like, I don't know. I'm five. So we had to rig this insane system just to watch television. And uh, the first movies I want to talk about, one of them we talk about all the time, but it's that uh, experience of watching a uh, movie of the week by yourself, making mm -hmm. that decision on television uh, like Sunday or Saturday at one o'clock. And I think I was 10, I saw two movies that I probably shouldn't have seen, but uh, they're this thing that I chase uh, forever, which is uh, being a voyeur in someone else's dream. Mm. Like, I feel like Paul Thomas Anderson, the master does that to me in a way where I'm like, I'm not in my dream. I'm in someone else's dream and I shouldn't be here. 
But that I watched Taxi Driver, which you guys bring up a lot, at 10. And there was the music, just the, uh, Bernard, yeah. all of that feel at 10. And you could relate to Travis Bickle as a child, like him being rejected with the Chris Christopherson. Um, I remember feeling such empathy in like my body and that they would give commercial breaks. And I was like, thank God. Because it was such an emotional like ride. And I knew I should be watching it because of uh, the Bible, TV Guide. There's two Bibles as a kid, TV Guide. And then there was Leonard's book. Right. And Leonard gave uh, a taxi driver like two, two stars. Two stars. Yes. Yeah. So that was blew my mind. I was like, Leonard Moulton can be wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was the first time I ever discovered Leonard Moulton could but be if we, wrong. I, we, I, we've talked about that on the show with him, but I, I've always, I give him credit for the fact that he has not changed it. No. I love that he stood by that. You know, no, because I would go to that by that. He gave Grumman's two stars too. Oh. Has he stood by that? Oh, yeah. Son of a bitch. Wait, then you wrong. put him in the sequel. Well, no, I put him in the sequel. I said, you know, we're going to kill you in the sequel. Do you want to come and be killed? And I, he said, uh, well, and I said, well, you can, you can do your bad review from the first picture. Oh, okay. And so he did that. I said, you can say whatever you want and we're going to kill you. And he was, a, he was a good sport about it. He got killed. Uh, so it was that. And the other film that I watched as a child that I shouldn't have was Deliverance. Jesus. And so I was. Well, you're watching ten, these movies on TV. I'm watching as them a on TV as a kid, but they still have. He's in his under Ned Beatty's in his underpants and they right, still yeah, squeal yeah, like yeah, yeah. you can't cut that out. I remember, uh, not for that one. That was in the color TV in the kitchen. Okay. Uh, we were playing gin rummy, I remember, and I was watching that. And like most kids are afraid of like Frankenstein, or maybe they were afraid of Darth Vader, Frankenstein's monster. Don't send mail. Uh, they're afraid of that. Uh, and but I was afraid of being raped in the woods. Yeah, well, yeah. that was my fear growing up. It was a real fear. <laughs> you had so many woods. <laughs> and that was all around me. And then and Ned Beatty looked a lot like my father. It was a whole experience of watching that. And then I also remember this oh, moment. Oh wow! Hang on, let's unpack that. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, what am I actually? I'm a <laughs> wow. Packing is not what you want. Yay! And then I remember my brain frying because uh, there was that part where the church is being driven by a truck, uh-huh. and then my brother turns to me and goes, "Hey, you know what that is?" And I was like, "I don't know what that is because that's symbolism." <laughs> <laughs> the wise older brother, and I was like, "Whoa, what is that? Even uh... things can mean other things." So I remember that experience. <laughs> There's a traumatic experience with Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Which, uh, the original. Okay. So I was watching that at my grandma's house at one, and it was like the early 80s where you can just leave like a 10-year-old at home and say, ah, okay, well, let's go. And so I'm watching Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which holds up in any millennium sure. forever, <laughs> one of the most modern movies ever made. And so I'm already kind of terrified by this, the, you know, the, the sense of like people can just pod people. And I'm at her house, and usually a car would go down every hour, two hours. No cars went down. And I'm just in the middle of the woods, nothing. So I'm starting to get a little freaked out. And then the phone rings. I go and I remember I pick up the phone. No one there. There's no <laughs> one on the other side. Oh. It was horrifying. So those are the ones I remember. Of course, Bad News Bears, things like that, which I love. Best thing about Bad News Bears, Motor Mouth Owl throws that beer at Tatum O'Neill, never apologizes. <laughs> she just owns up and is like, oh, adults are idiots. You know, there's not that scene where you would have that. That's my favorite. Right. Part. Yeah, good point. <laughs> but those are the, I had real, real life fears of that. Real life fears of going to the movie theater that they gave me was, uh, it took me years to figure this out, but I saw like Concord 79, Twilight Zone, the movie. I was afraid of flying for many years. 
I wasn't afraid of monsters. It was the idea if I got on a plane, something crazy was going to happen. It's because I I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And I'm wondering because none of those movies, like I get why it, it took a beat to get back in the ocean after Jaws. Yeah. Because that's an effective film. Yeah. But there is not a good airplane catastrophe. It's a disaster movie. They're all, they're all terrible. Mm. But, oh, what's the, good, what's the good airplane disaster movie? Aside from airplane. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, I think the Twilight Zone episode is pretty damn good. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's not Lookout. an airplane. I'm talking about the, the 70s. Uh, you mean the uh, the, the airport, airport movies? The airport movies, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. the airport common. What's the uh, Skyjacked and all yeah. that stuff? I can enjoy the airport movies, though. It's yeah, they're fun. But I, I'm just saying they don't. They wouldn't feed into. No. So you're basically just trying to come up with an example of a picture that has such a horrifying air crash that you'd be afraid to fly. Yeah. And, and, I mean, and, there, and there is a movie. Well, there, there's a uh, Frank Marshall's movie. Frank Marshall's which one? The um, the one where the plane goes down with the, all the kids in no, it. No, alive. Alive. Yeah, alive. Alive. Yeah. That's a pretty great plane crash. Well, and 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 uh, what's and the it? back Fear, of the, the plane comes off. Fearless and uh, Fight Club and so. But I mean, but I'm saying, but that era of because that's later. Oh, you're just saying the '60s now. I know you're changing it now. No, I'm just talking about like the airplane. There was that wave of airplane disaster movies, and they they just don't have any. Uh, but when you're a child, I guess. you're not really making those decisions. You're just like, oh, I'm getting on a plane. I guess so, yeah. yeah. This is a long, stupid tangent. I apologize. <laughs> um, That's all right. You'll cut it up. So, and then then we would go, so we take an hour and a half trip uh, to Pittsburgh to uh, go see movies in the theater. That was the way. So then you'd go to the Murphy's Mart and you'd spread out the page and you start circling stuff you want to see. So I would be like, uh, oh, a black hole. It's got robots. You guys like Star Wars? They're like, nope. And I'd be like, ah, Clash of the Titans is a horse. And then, no. Well, who's saying no? My mother and my brother, for some reason. Okay. So uh, my brother said. letting those people push you around. Oh, I had no chance. So then I had to see Manhattan. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. I was five from the country. There's nothing. No flying less horses funny. in that one. What is, what is that movie I giving you? Lost. I don't know. I think I don't like Woody Allen that much just because <laughs> of that. Wow. No wonder. Yeah. Yeah, that would be, that would be, uh, yeah, not fun. I couldn't figure out why, why it was, I couldn't figure out it was a comedy. I didn't know whether you were really laughing it's no, at it's no black hole. Uh-uh. <laughs> I, I got to see the jerk. Sometimes I'd win. I saw the jerk. Uh, and uh, I remember laughing at the jerk. And I have this distinct memory of uh, falling asleep in the jerk and then waking up when he's naked <laughs> and he has the paddle ball. And then everyone's laughing at him. And then I'm, I was like, well, you're laughing at Navin Johnson. You're not laughing with him. And I'm being furious with the audience that they have somehow turned against their character that I, I had woken up in. But <laughs> it was those, I would see, I was brought to Prophecy. I remember Twilight Zone, the movie. The uh, Giant Bear. Yeah. The Killer Bear. Oh, yeah. Prophecy is yeah. dire. Yeah. Not, a, but, not a good yeah, <laughs> not, I saw Zorro the Gay Blade. Oh. I saw Concord 79. I remember all these. 1941 I'd seen. I saw Bronco Billy. And I'd seen Bronco Billy. Uh, my dad's job was he would buy uh, people's houses when they died, the stuff in them. And then he'd take them to flea markets and he'd, he'd sell all the stuff. So he would hire ex-cons and uh, uh, a lot of vets that all looked straight out of Easy Rider. <laughs> and like they, Easy Rider would show up in my house and, uh, and then they'd move all the stuff. So we brought John to uh, uh, Bronco Billy and we were watching Bronco Billy and the electricity went off. And then John just snapped and then 
kicked through all the seats in front of him at the movie theater, and then we had to we had to leave. You just had a, <laughs> what, what? He had some horrible some traumatic sort of, flashback in the of, middle of Bronco oh, Billy. Jesus Christ! I don't think I've still seen the end of Bronco <laughs> Billy. Damn good movie. That's a very fine movie. No, so that was sort of like that's an experience I'll remember forever. <laughs> You've been scarred by your traumatic. Wow! Cinematic. Wow! I'm, I'm, yeah. Uh, has anyone talked about a movie they haven't seen that made them? Has that happened on the show? That they haven't seen? Yeah. What do you mean? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm going to tell a weird story. So there's a movie called Blood Circus. Okay. Now, Blood Circus, there was a infomercial after Saturday Night Live when I was a kid. And uh, these guys would come on who were obviously, I will say allegedly, on massive amounts of cocaine. And they would sell this gold called Santo Gold. And you would buy the gold. But the guy's name was also Santo Gold. Gold, He had a rock band called Santo Gold who sang a song about Santo Gold. And the infomercial was about the rock band who was in a movie called Blood Circus, which was a wrestling picture that was sometimes called a wrestling science fiction film. Sometimes they'd say it's a wrestling comedy. Sometimes they'd say this is a wrestling horror film. And then it would cut to these ghosts that were like angels that would tell jokes. And then right back to these guys selling gold. Well, obviously these people were arrested because there was no gold. It was like $2 for gold. They were completely insane. People would be on unicycles riding around them. But it, it would traumatize me as a child because I was like, what, what am I watching, this Santo gold? I found a guy who has a print. He won't, he allegedly, these people were litigious, I think, the Blood Circus people. But uh, I can't see the film. I can't get anyone to send it to me. But I've been, it's the one film Perhaps I've been, it's for the best. Yeah, I've been dying to know. see. I'm looking at this here, the, the Blood Circus. Blood Circus. A wrestling movie. It had one screening, I believe. It expecting $200 million gross. Oh, yeah, he advertised it as everything. Uh, wow, and you can get a free 10-minute preview of Blood Circus on three-quarter-inch beta or VHS. And you can get diamonds and gold. Wow. I got chains, I got yours. And his only credits are uh, as himself in Blood Circus and as the composer. Yeah, they were all like arrested for mail fraud. and, and allegedly, yeah, allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly, these guys were. <laughs> but that was just, I'm always fascinated wow. uh, by uh, that film that I've, I've never been able to see. Yeah, that's it. Those things sort of lurk there, just calling your name. I mean, you don't want to see it, though. Yeah. That would not be. Well, you can't possibly live up to whatever's going on in your brain. Yeah. And I, I talked to a guy who supposedly saw it, and he's like, it's like 90% wrestling. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I was like, ah, okay, maybe not. it'll never ever. Not, not that there's anything wrong with that, folks. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, I just thought of something, uh, a movie that traumatized me called Parable. Uh, what was the name of the director? He's like a, uh, an art director. Uh, he would do shorts and, and documentaries, but they showed it at my church. And uh, it would be at my church at nighttime. So it's dark and it's just a scary cemetery around. And it's this uh, night, like late 60s short about... Uh, 1964? 64. The story begins as an old-fashioned circus parade. Exactly. The countryside. So I'm in this creepy church at night, and it's a clown, and yeah, he's yeah. like crying at the at the circus, and then all the rest of the circus performers they all uh, uh, crucify him. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. They crucify that clown. Wow, that's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Showed that to me. How can, how can we? And what was it? the ostensible reason for showing this to the the the, yeah, the congregation? It, it's a parable about. Jesus, I guess, in some way. As a clown. Yeah. And I think it's probably really good. It's a really good film. It's just when you're a child in those circumstances, wasn't cool. <laughs> it was frightening at nighttime. It wasn't even daytime church. <laughs> then there's the uh, uh, the school. The movie said screen at school, which I am forever. This is uh, going to be one of my favorite films of all time because it was like would rescue you from school was Wolfgang Peterson's The Neverending Story. Oh, yeah. Which That's is lovely. the most existential trip a kid can have about the coming of nothing and the, 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 the lose their friends. And, like, yeah. as a child, it was, like, deeply emotional. But didn't they show it in segments in school? Because Not if you're in uh, grade school. You have one teacher all day. Oh. And, and I'm from the country, and they did not want to teach. Oh, oh I see. Yeah, when I was in high school, we'd do film club and we'd break it up over a couple of classes. Yeah, that was but, yeah, yeah, these teachers were like, I don't, I got a hangover. And there was a kid, there was an AV kid who was usually in yeah. charge. And that's why, and, and in our school, no movie started without having to stop because right. uh, they, these kids didn't know how to thread the projector. And so the picture would start and they, and they would flutter and the film would rip and they'd have to turn the lights on. Then that splicer has to come out and they put it back in. And by the, by the time these poor prints were sent back to wherever they came from, I mean, they were completely beat to shit. Yeah. Because AV kids just didn't, they didn't want to be an AV. They didn't want to do anything. So they didn't do anything. And it was, it was a nightmare <laughs> trying to run anything there. <laughs> they weren't union. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm marveling at this. Uh, uh, they get back to parable. I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, they kill him. Yeah, they kill him. The clown takes the place of Magnus as human puppets, allows himself to be strung up and killed. Ugh. Magnus, who's apparently the, the the main bad guy, falls into remorse, trying to reanimate the clown like a marionette. But the clown's work goes on in the form of his followers. It's Forsberg. That's his name, right? Something uh, Forsberg. Something sounds about right. Ralph Forsberg. Yeah, Ralph Forsberg. And one other. Sounds fantastic. If anybody has parable. Yeah. Get, it, get it to us. <laughs> our, our teachers in the country didn't want to teach. So I had one teacher. Uh, he eventually uh, died having sex with a lady that, w that wasn't his wife. He, he was a mean guy. So that's why he, uh, he would show us um, Troll. He would show <laughs> the money pit. He would just rotate these like daily and not Wait, teach. Why? Under what pretext? No, there, no one was watching. On VHS? Oh, yeah, VHS at this time. Troll? I mean, there's no, absolutely no Connection. Educational value. Zero. <laughs> Showing troll. Troll, Top Gun, The Money Pit, and... Uh, whatever he rented. Yeah, whatever, whatever he, had he rented. rented. <laughs> then we had one teacher, I think it was the same guy, who we were studying uh, Brazil, mm -hmm. and I think he he showed us um, Green Ice. Oh, my God. With, uh, Stuart Granger. <laughs> That's like the one with... Uh, uh, 
who is um green eyes omar sharif's in it i remember oh isn't it's, it a, it's like an 80s it's about emerald uh it's like a colombian assassination and they're there's there's taking emeralds from Africa. Green Ice, nineteen. Green Ice, Ryan, uh, Ryan O'Neill. Yeah. Ernest Day directed. John Larroquette's in it, I think. Ann Archer, Omar Sharif, John Larroquette. Uh, oh, Philip Stone from The Shining. But wow, we were studying Brazil. British movie, I think. Is uh, written by Edward Anholt. Edward Anholt. He was a oh. he was a major screenwriter. Oh, well, but you, the, but you don't know the film though. His mistake was, it was Brazil. He thought he was running the Emerald Forest, I've determined. Oh. <laughs> and Green Ice was about emeralds. Right. So somehow he, he just showed us Green Ice. Natural I thought mistake. he was going to show you Brazil. <laughs> yeah, that would have been better. Call. Yes. And so there's that. Um, and then another uh, period of my life, uh, I, we moved to, out of the country to uh, like these uh, rich, richer suburbs. And then I would go to a place called the Pittsburgh Playhouse, that just kind of like the Cinematheque at the uh, 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 in Pittsburgh. And uh, I remember uh, I was in high school, but one of my first dates bringing a, a girl to a film there was Baxter. 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 Yes. Do you know Baxter? It's a, yes. the dog French dog movie. Yeah, and the kid loves Hitler. Yeah. And the Baxter's like, I hope the old lady dies. And it's yes. like this, yeah, yeah. So I that, love Baxter. Have you seen Baxter? <laughs> he's the, the dog that hates. Yeah, he's like, I hope <laughs> this kid drowns in the pool. <laughs> so, and that, Somebody, I yeah. feel like years ago, that's one of those movies you heard someone was trying to remake over here. It's oh, like, wow. That would be a catastrophe. Yeah, it's his accent, too, that really yeah. makes him <laughs> arrogant, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have to keep that. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's comedy, though, because it's not a French film. Yeah. And they would always run uh, two trailers. Tati, Danielle. And then they'd write, Dirk Bogart is Daddy Nostalgia. And that was every, every for like a year I saw those trailers. I'll never get them out of my head. Have you ever seen either film? Uh, no, I, I actually have not because of that. There's no way I'm coming near those. Uh, see, So that was an experience. That's where I saw Blue Velvet and that kind of thing. Uh, and then I go to, I'm going to jump around in life where I, I discovered things. But then I went finally went to Philadelphia. I actually went to the same, I, theoretically the same college as you did, University of the Arts in yeah. Philadelphia. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when I Friends would get there. film books out of the library, the last person to ever check them out was you. <laughs> <laughs> People don't read. So, so, uh, uh, so there's this place. <laughs> totally true. There's a place called TLA Video. Yes, there is. And then I was, the Living Arts. Yeah. Yeah. One of the greatest video stores. Uh, yes. It's, it's not around anymore. No, no we talked about the show because I, I grew up. That was where like my film education yeah. was, the TLA. And then uh, they... Um, I want to say early eighties, they started a tiny little thing right next to the theater where they would rent the kind of movies they showed at TLA. Yeah. And then that became huge and eventually put the movie theater out of business, but they became a catalog and they were all over the country and first place that ever had, they were directors. distributing things. Yeah. 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 They were, they were distributing. By the way, I should mention the last time we talked about it, but the, the actual TLA itself was the theater of the living arts. Cause it was an actual theater, yeah. uh, was founded by Andre Gregory. Oh, wow. So, and then it became a. A movie theater pretty quickly. I think DeVito and Christopher Lloyd did some stuff at that theater back in the day. Probably, I think yeah, so. Yeah. But but the TLA was uh, amazing going from like your drugstore 
yeah. where you'd rent like Bad Taste mm-hmm. in high school or Dark Backward Rifkin's film I loved in high school too. That would like, be about as weird as you could get yeah. at your drugstore and then yeah. you get the TLA, yeah. yeah. And then it was like directors, you know, everyone is categorized in, in the, the picks. So I came in there and my, my head was exploding because we would have to send to Japan to get Meet the Feebles in high school. <laughs> and it would have Japanese subtitles at the bottom right. and you're yep. like, you'd have to yep. wait like a month for it to show up. So everything was here. <laughs> So I remember I wrote down my for the four things I rented that day. Everyone else was out, was out partying, and I was known as the weird guy that was just watching movies by himself in the apartment. Uh, I rented Bad Lieutenant. Okay. Uh, which I, I just love that movie. Uh, True West. Oh, sure. The yeah. Malkovich Sinich, which yeah, is yeah, just right, the most that. epic acting yep. in the world. I rented Bjorg Butgeritz, Der Todes King. Der Todes King. Yeah. Haunting movie. He's a, he's a, are we allowed to say he's a fucked up individual? I don't know him. I've never met him. I've seen some of his films. There's that, that's the thing. Something wrong with that boy. I was like this. We had him at Beyond Fest year two, I think. And I was and like. And let me guess, he was completely normal. He kept going, uh, he was emailing. He said, should I bring my swimming trousers? <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to go to the beach. All he cared about was hanging out at the beach. And he was like the most lovely human being ever. And now he does puppet shows in, in, what? in Germany or something. Yeah. <laughs> about, about dead puppets? Yeah. Before it was like. Well, the most uh, horrific. Uh, it got out of his system. Yeah, he yeah. definitely did. So I'd rented that, and then I rented swimming to Cambodia. There you go. There's a way to start college. <laughs> did you? Did you uh, were you? Because it's. It's. I'm sure the statute of limitations of this stuff is over, and the medium is over. But I mean, were you? Would you go off and uh, dub stuff? Oh you, yeah. Was that your? Because I, I remember when um, I used to live in the South Bay long ago, and remember there was Mondo Video up in Hollywood. Yeah. That was a long haul, but every now and then I'd like drive up on a Friday, rent, you know, a stack of insane movies. And I just spend the whole weekend just dubbing them onto, you know, another VHS and then bring them back on. Totally. So you could watch it in fuzzy, bleary VHS. Yeah, but I mean, it wasn't, you know, I, I yeah, sure. Friend <laughs> in high school, I'd rent a movie. I, mean, I rented, I think, some, we were just like doing horror films. I rented, I think, Pigs, mm-hmm. right? And I'm watching Pigs and I couldn't see anything. And I was like, man, they shot this so dead. I don't know what they're doing. Then I found out another kid in my high school was re- winding out the tape, putting his tape into his uh, VHS, then take, then du- I mean, dubbing it, and then putting his dub version in the correct box. It would best have taken him so hours. he'd steal the good one. He'd steal, he'd steal the, good the good one. one and the other one would be rented. Wow. But I, about dubbing, I'm forgetting a major part of my life when my brother was in college and he would send back uh, boxes of VHS so I was like in the country, maybe 12 years old, and I would be watching uh, Der Zala, and then I would be watching Golden Child. And, <laughs> and then it was like, Oh, Lucky Man. And then I'd be watching like Summer School. Yeah. And so all these films had the same kind of resonance to yes. me. I had no difference. Yes. They were just whatever was coming on. They're movies, man. They're movies. And then we're going to jump ahead real quick. I know I'm going on. But now I'm a, a film programmer, and what movies i love now have weird connections to me that are like a disaster uh like the indian runner i had that poster up in my high school yeah. bedroom love the indian runner yeah. uh so on my birthday i'm just gonna tell a disastrous thing to him they they <laughs> sent uh, uh the print of indian runner the sean penn film and uh sean penn's coming and i think all his friends coming and uh it gets there that day we tried to get it early it got there that day it looked like it just went through a blender oh no it was the worst shape print ever and uh 
movie now I now love, if I think of the Indian runner, I just start freaking out. Because <laughs> uh, we were in there, me and Gwen DeGleese, the other program at the Cinematheque, we would take turns watching it to sort of clockwork orange punish ourselves to make sure this never happens again. <laughs> and then Sean Penn would just come out and chain smoke like every 10 minutes. And we're like, and then it was my birthday, and because we're in Hollywood, everyone has a friend that's a magician. Because it's, you know, <laughs> where you get the magic. Everyone has a magician friend. He showed up to bring me a present, and then uh, I open it up, and it's a rabbit. And then a rabbit jumps out and starts running around the lobby, and then Sean Penn's all smoking. He's all upset. It's like a disaster. And I'm like, this <laughs> rabbit joke is not working right now. So it was like a, a convergence of things. But then the next year, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson came through again on my birthday, and we were testing the master. Oh, I remember. Right. And he was like, hey, why don't we just show this movie tonight? And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, we'll just show it and surprise everyone. So after The Shining, we just showed the master, and it kind of cleared up my, my birthday pain. Mm. And then there's the, the 2001 freak out. Yeah. It, we were screening the first time. Now there's a bunch of 2001 prints. But at this point, it was just the Academy had the great 2001 print. So I went upstairs in the balcony. I scanned off. I'm like, I'm just going to relax and finally watch a film by myself. 2001 and 70. You can't get any better than this. So I sat there. And then everything's fine. And then there's an intermission. And then afterwards, downstairs, start hearing, rrr, rrr. I'm like, oh, no. And I go, have to go downstairs. Guys going crazy, like shaking people. We have to stop the film. And there's like right. someone was... like sucker punches him and it's darkness. And then police come running in and they like pull him out. So it went from the most zen moments. So now when I think of 2001, right, right during the, the trippy scene, I, I could have uh, anxiety. It's good thing you didn't get stoned. To watch. I'm actually, no, wait a minute. I'm actually, it's amazing. It's such a vivid. And I'm like, no, no, I wasn't there, but I've seen there was a YouTube video. Yeah, there was a YouTube for that. Yes, because that was somebody was filming it on. And I know uh, it probably happened. Someone was going to college for the first time. He took something and then just, and just flipped, lost it, lost yeah. his mind. Yeah. It was a bad scene. So I'm forever uh, remembering that. But it was then, such an evocative. Wow, it's crazy. Like, I realized that I've only seen it on crappy little video. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, it, was a, it was a powerful moment. <laughs> mad, 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 mad world. Yeah. Shows up, 70 millimeter, ready to do it. Uh, eight of eight reels, I think it said. And then our projectionist, like, there there's, should be nine reels. It should oh. be nine of nine. It says eight of eight. So there's really eight of nine. So at 7.30, I had to jump into my car and drive to the depot by the uh, airport up here. And I was literally got, I was like, well, the Cinematheque will just have to pick this ticket up if I get it. So I was literally driving 120 miles an hour while the Mad Mad World, they're driving on a chase. So that was happening <laughs> on screen while I was, I jump You're out. You're lucky the real, the messing real was the last one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was totally that. And then I jump out, they hand it to me. I drive back. I got there about five minutes for him to put it up oh, on wow. the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think People I'm don't appreciate what goes into, you know. That's what happens. Show the movies. I'm finally seeing that in a the theater. I think. By the way, you know, it's showing in a couple of weeks. Oh, uh, at the uh, at the Cinerama Dome, a seventy or the, I believe, yeah. Nice. I, a, we've talked about this in the show. That theater was built to show that movie. I, I, I know. <laughs> everyone knows that by now. But no, the uh, we've talked about this in the show. I'm, I'm I just, I'm not a fan. But if you sit it with an audience that and really I, likes I'm, it, it's, I feel it's, like I need. Yeah. Are you? Uh, I'm a big fan of that. Okay, movie. it's All like right. one of the only live action cartoons. Really, like yeah. it's, it's it works on a totally. Got to see it with a lot of people, and you got to see it big. I know. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like seventeen hours long too, which makes me very nervous. So no, it's not seventeen <laughs> hours long. <laughs> it always feels like it. When I, I think the last time I saw it was on laser disc. So that, well, that, that's that was, that's that was not the wrong fair. Way that's I the wrong know, way to I see know, that. 
So now I've, I've got to bring this up because I've been on a couple podcasts to talk about this film. And I brought it into Beyond Fest this year. And I've now become uh, renowned for this one movie that I've been trumpeting called Mooch Goes to Hollywood. Yes, yes. Have you seen Mooch Goes to Hollywood? I have not. I saw the write-up, though. <laughs> I, 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 I own thought it was about DVD. Scaramucci. So. <laughs> I own it on DVD because of you, but I have never... Okay, well, I'm showing it at an IB Tech 16-millimeter print courtesy of the UCLA Television Film Archive. <laughs> Television Archive. So I've become obsessed with... So now my favorite thing to do, this is my secret, uh, is uh, I go into Amazon Prime, and you just type in a movie. So right. normally late at night, I'm thinking 70, 71. Right. If I'm sick, I'm thinking like 85. Depends on what it is, because I can wrap my head around. So uh, at night, I'm like 70, 71, and I just go through until the movie shows up that shouldn't exist. Right. Yes, yeah. we've, I guess, yeah, I've, I've done this. Yeah. We talked about it with Lorraine Newman. Like, you just sort of scroll down and down and down until you're looking at movies that yeah. you've never heard of. Or I'm looking for, uh, there might be uh, Hollywood driving scenes. Oh, so man. then I'll find a movie that might have one of those, and then I'll fast forward through the Hollywood driving scenes if it's totally good. <laughs> and uh, so this is where uh, uh, I would immediately text, uh, like, Mooch is how I started texting Larry. And I was like, it was like 11 at night. So I, I was ready to go to bed, and I was like, what is Mooch goes to Hollywood? And then my, uh, my fiance, she's in bed. She's like, you coming out? And I was like, uh-uh, I'm not going to bed. It's a um, Richard Erdman, who eventually was on Community. but uh, He was the director. Uh, and it was written by Jim Backus, mm. obviously what? pretty intoxicated, I think, believe while he wrote this, because uh, it's about an ingenue dog that goes to Hollywood to make it, that becomes uh, a stripper and wears Fredericks of Hollywood clothes. Uh, the, the dog is played by Higgins the dog from Petticoat Junction, uh, <laughs> who later became Benji. Uh, he, he goes to, uh, or she, he, he plays a different gender in this. He, uh, goes to the Playboy. Gender fluid. Yeah. <laughs> the Playboy Mansion. You're not allowed to do that anymore. He, what, be gender fluid? No, I mean, it, it would have to be, a, a female dog would now have to be played by a female dog. Well, that's true. Yeah. yeah. And this was, he was also playing much younger because Higgins was like 90 in dog years at this point. And he was playing a young female dog. And so, so it starts out uh, narrated by Richard Burton for what? like two seconds. And then he what? just stops. And, he, and now it's narrated by Zsa Zsa. What? And then at the end, Richard Burton comes back and is like, all right, Mooch. And then that's it. But Zsa is trying to get Mooch to seduce Hollywood uh, producers by rolling around and then tries to... Like she did. <laughs> ah, and then uh, James Darren and, and Vincent Price. Yeah. I love okay. some off-brand Vincent Price. So then <laughs> Booch is trying to seduce them and Jim Backus, and there's scenes of them running across the beach into each other's arms. Is this a feature? It's 55 minutes jam-packed full of... Edward G. Robinson shows up. Rosemarie shows up. Is this one of those movies that, like... Lots of people got together for fun and just sort of made their own. Had to be. Sort of amateur movie. Yeah, no, it was a television movie of the week. And it was, it was broadcast. Yeah, and it was advertised as a family film. And it's really like Valley of the Dolls or, or Midnight Cowboy. With the stripping? It's a family film? Exactly. Dog stripper? The dog, and it's the, the, her costumes were supplied by Fredericks of Hollywood. And, and it's, <laughs> the canine version. <laughs> I don't know how. I guess they had to make little ones of that. But then she's at the uh, 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 veterinarian, and uh, Lancelot Link shows up. What? <laughs> actually, Lancelot Link. Yeah, actually, Lancelot as... Link. Who Frank Inn, the owner, he owned the the pig from uh, 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 um, Green Acres. Okay. Um, 
and uh, he owned um, Lancelot Link and trained a bunch of things. And so Lancelot Link comes out, and he's on crutches, and then they go back to the veterinarian, and Lancelot comes out great. So there's a bunch of ducks in there. Uh, <laughs> it's interspecies. I have, by the way, I have, I have, uh, I was so excited to get it. This is one of those, like, you shouldn't go back. I've got it. I think it's a New Zealand box set of uh, uh, the complete run of Lancelot Link on DVD. <laughs> you, you should, it's so depressing. So your depressing. brain must be coming out of your Because yeah, as, as a kid, you remember it one way, but you're watching it now, and you're basically just watching, like, just barely off camera, someone kicking one of the monkeys to get a reaction out of it. <laughs> it's not, I mean, it's just these animals just being abused horribly. <laughs> really. Yeah. It's but, a long tradition in Hollywood. Yeah. yeah the Dogville yeah, movies yeah. from the early 30s. Sadly. Uh, there, that album, the Lancelot Link album, is like 200 bucks. There's an album? Yeah, like they made the music for the band, but it's someone really famous who was doing like experimental like jazz or something. What? And if you try to get the Lancelot Link album, it's like $250. Maybe sense. But uh, so the Mooch Goes to Hollywood shouldn't exist. It's, uh, it's an it's Now, an where did this print come from? Uh, so it was Richard Erdman's personal print, who he just passed away. Uh -huh. And then Alan Rohde of the Film Foundation, I've gotten him roped into this nonsense. Good. So he, <laughs> he's coming in, he's going to talk about Richard, and I'm going to give a, a bit of a presentation about Franken and Higgins the dog. And then we're going to show this. I, I actually have three screenings of it in the small uh, Spielberg theater, because there's just been a, an outpouring. An, an outpouring yeah. of... Uh... Yeah. So it, it was exciting to find this film that should never really exist. And now like people are... We're making action figures for it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when she has the Playboy bunny ears and she's dancing, it's just, uh, there's, nothing, there's nothing like it. And then the other film, I'm just going to be quick on this, is a film called Slip that I found on Amazon. It's called uh, Sexual uh, Liberty in Private from 1970. <laughs> Larry said, if you go on the show, you have to talk about this, which I don't know if it's going to interest anyone. But it's... Uh, I was just Go going through, and I found this uh, a couple months ago. I think it might be off Prime, but it's a, a film. This young girl, this mother drops this young girl off at a house, and he's like, take those baked goods in. They ordered baked goods. And so uh, she takes the baked goods into the house, and then a, a, a man and a lady are having a oral copulation, <laughs> and she spies this. And, uh, and then she's like, watches the, the oral copulation, and she's like, oh, maybe I want to do this one day. This sounds great. <laughs> so then uh, what happens is she does the oral copulation with her boyfriend. Her mother finds out. And she's like, where did you see? I didn't tell you about this. She's like, oh, I was delivering baked goods. So <laughs> it was. this is about 10 minutes. And the, then it turns into an uh, inherit the wind. Uh, 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 it becomes a court. Uh, what? Inherit the wind. Uh, uh, yeah, courtroom, courtroom drama, drama. yeah. yeah. Harold, yeah. uh, there's now an hour courtroom drama about uh, oral sex and sex you're allowed to have in the privacy of your own home, which is the most boring film ever. It's like the opposite of porn. It was like, hey, I'm going to make a movie about a blowjob. And they're like, well, that'll be exciting. He's like, hmm, uh, no, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, I really recommend I watching this. It. It's, it's, uh, it's done like MASH. It's like S.L.I.P. Wow. Slip. And this sure was exists. distributed. Yeah. Somehow. It must have played drive-ins or somewhere. I mean, it was a film. Sounds like The Chaser. It's the movie the drive-ins used to put up third so that people would leave and everybody could go home early. Oh, they would leave. <laughs> then once that courtroom drama starts, you're like, what am I watching? Wow. Yeah. I, I, and, and, and this is on Amazon, you say? Yeah, it's on Amazon. Has anyone seen, you've probably seen this before, The Baron of Arizona? Oh, yeah. 
Oh my Good God! Picture. Have you seen Why it? Why do I know that film? It's Sam Fuller's first picture. Oh yeah, sure. That's no, first picture uh, with uh, Vincent Price. Vincent Price, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a true story. There's a box set. Yeah, it's, it's on one of the box sets. Yeah, it's a guy who's running a grift, and, yeah. and his grift is he's going to tell people he owns Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> It's really good. I just watched that. And uh, there's a great scene where uh, Vincent Price has to go to the monks. And he's like, uh, hey, I'm really into what you're doing. But he really wants to get to this book and forge it. He's like, oh, this whole monk thing is great. What you're doing is fantastic. I really like it. And they're like, ah, we don't want you. He's like, so he begs. And then he's like, I'm really interested in the books. And then he goes down to the books. He, he starts forging the books. And then they're like, uh, you know, there's another book. He's like, what? So then there's this great scene where uh, Vincent Price is outside in his monk uniform, which is he's so tall. It is like he looks, he doesn't look like a monk. And he's like out there messing with the stones and the herbs. And he sees a, a, a wagon. He's like, yeah, all the monks. And uh, oh, fuck this. And he just runs to the wagon and just bolts out. And then all the monks are like, who's that guy? <laughs> I don't know. It's just a hilarious scene to me. It's just Vincent Price conning people into thinking he's a monk and just running away. That has nothing to do with the movies then. But it's off-brand Vincent Price, you would say. Right? That's what happened. When I listen to the show, often people go like, ah, this isn't so much a movie as much as it is a sandwich. And they're like, <laughs> they're like totally. You know, there's like a pop-up book. I'm like, no, nah, it's pretty much called The Movies That Made Me. And they're like, ah, but maybe a sandwich? <laughs> you know, we, we, we go all over. I got a note here I made to myself. I once rented, we went to see my grandmother. Instead of time spent, instead of spending time with our grandmother, went to a 7-Eleven, rented a VCR and Witness, and then went back to the house, had to plug up in the VCR and then just watched Witness. But we had to put down a credit card and get a VCR from a 7-Eleven rather than spending time with grandma. That's another way you had to do it. What a, what a waste of time I could have spent with my grandmother going yeah. to 7-Eleven watching Witness. I, I mean, feel it's like a so. I mean, I, I, it's a great film, but somehow in that context, it feels like that would be kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah. A little Red Riding Hood would be better. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do. A, I write myself to have a public service announcement. If anyone knows where a print of, of going in style, the original film. Yeah, there's no print. It's one of my favorite films and I've never been film. able it's to not on video? It. I mean, it's on, it's video, on video, but I would like to show it in the oh, theater print. to people. Wow. There's no yeah, works in a movie. Well, as you know, uh, it's becoming increasingly difficult to yeah. find 35 millimeter prints of anything. Yeah. And you're certainly not going to get anything from Fox because now they've decided yeah. they're not going to cooperate with anybody. Well, they might cooperate with us a little bit. We're, but I don't know how everyone in middle America yeah. is going to do. But I don't know. It's, it's tougher and tougher. And then the films, yeah. once they go, they're go. No one's making another one. Well, they're not making any more prints. That's uh-uh. that's the problem. Yeah, there's not even a Blu-ray of that because I've, I've looked for that off and on for years because yeah. that's such a great film. And it's I think such a great film. Um, it was streaming somewhere. Was it? It was a Warner that put it out. I know someone was streaming, and I got to watch it. And I just love George Burns' performance. It's probably like, yeah. It's, it's maybe it's on Warner Home Video streaming. Yeah, but I would love because well, he's so prints. not George Burns. Oh my god! For once. I mean, it's actually getting to see him actually act in. Uh, he's, he's lovely in that he's, film. It's like, I won't be that relaxed when I'm dead. Like, he's <laughs> so, like, just, like, his body is just, it's amazing. It's like yeah. all, all those guys give great performances in that. Strasburg. Yeah. Yep. And our Carney. I was really, I did, it, it was one of those things where, like, I, I had this burst of inspiration way too late because, you know, it was like a, a week after the remake had opened and, and I thought, God damn it, you know what would be amazing would be if you remake Going in Style with Women. Mm. 
Like if it was like, you know, yeah, that's a good that, idea. That would yeah. have been really. There's, there's something about doing it again with just different old guys. It's just kind yeah. Of, eh. But but never uh, saw the re- I didn't see the remake of Bad News Bears. Never saw the remake of Day of the Earth. I don't. You haven't missed much. There's something, yeah. yeah, you can kind of tell when it's, you know, when it's going to be okay and when it's not. I did see the remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and that was good. That was all right. Yeah. Which one? Which one? <laughs> oh. Uh, the first uh, one, the second one, Kaufman's. or the third one? <laughs> I like Kaufman with like a... I, the uh, the of, Ferraro one has its defenders. I, yeah. I didn't I didn't think it was awful, but it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, doesn't match the one too Every much. generation gets their own Body Snatchers movie. Yeah. Or should, <laughs> or should, as opposed to just living through it. Um, the other, well, the other to, that scared the hell out of me as a kid too. I shouldn't have seen with the the Mulligan film and then the, yeah. and Uda Hagen with Strasburg made me think of Uda Hagen when they the kids had to meld their mind into the crow or whatever and fly yeah. around. That shouldn't have saw that one out. That was really <laughs> horrifying. I guess it's just somehow that seems more, you know, par for the course for a kid of like, oh, it's a scary movie for a kid. It's I'm still stuck on the ten year old watching Deliverance and Taxi Driver. Yeah. That's yeah. uh they give me new things to fear. Yeah. You know what was scary? Uh, it was Matilda. The uh, re- uh, <laughs> Elliot Gould, Robert the Boxing Mitt. Kangaroo. Yes. What? Have you seen it? No, I thought... What? Is that based on a Roald Dahl story? Uh, I, no, I think that's the the other one's the the one Danny DeVito. Yeah, that's why I, I thought you were going with the, with the Danny DeVito no, one. No, I'm talking, talking about... about it's boxing a boxing gorilla. Joe's right. It's the Boxing Kangaroo film with boxing, Robert Mitchum yeah. and uh, uh, Elliot Gould. Um, and the kangaroo's face doesn't move. It's it's like the uncanny valley of kangaroos. Because it's not real, right? Yeah, it's not real. So it's just it looks like a D, it looks like Lovecraft. And it just goes <laughs> around with like the same expression constantly. And uh Mitchum seems like he must have been high. He's like, why am I in this movie with this uh kangaroo? But if you look at these pictures of uh I own a lot of the lobby cards from this film because I'm obsessed <laughs> with the look of Matilda. It's horrifying. Is it a guy in a, a guy in a suit? Yeah, guy in a suit. Guy in a kangaroo suit. A kangaroo suit, and then I think he has boxing gloves. He you don't really see boxes. That every day. No, you don't see that at all. I think it was shot in like Seattle or Portland. Some weird, <laughs> weird, weird thing. I don't know. That was another movie that made me. I think I've I've gone through my my list of movies that had horrible impacts on me. <laughs> Did any movies have any good impacts? Uh, well, I mean, they, even the, the, they were all good impacts. You know, they're just like, better get ready. <laughs> better get ready for life. There's a lot of weird stuff out there. Oh, I wrote a note about how the, a lesson I learned in high school. I worked at Suncoast Video in mm-hmm. high school, and there was a film on VHS Good Times, uh, which I believe Mooch was uh, for a while. Uh, a fat guy goes nutsoid. That yeah, guy goes I've never seen it, but Isn't I have. Isn't that a trauma? Uh, maybe I they picked it up. I, I just remember watching it. Have and you seen the, it? And uh, we, I rented it because we were like, we got to see this. It's a guy going nutsoid. It's not <laughs> even just nuts. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> if we just called it Fat Guy Goes Nuts, not interested. But whatever, I want to know what nutsoid is. And then we rent it. The guy's marginally overweight and he absolutely, he goes maybe a little crazy, doesn't go nutsoid. <laughs> I learned that lesson early. Wait, what is this? It's a, no, it's listed as a TV show. No, no, no. No. Very odd. Oh, it was on Up All Night. They did episodes of, yes, where fat, goes, fat Guy Goes Nutsoid and Heartbreaker was a double feature on Up All Night, but there's no actual listing for Fat Guy Goes Nutsoid. I'm on IMDb? Yeah. As a movie? It's yeah. a movie. It was, it's it's a movie. theaters. Yeah. There's listings for things that don't, don't exist. Don't exist. I know that for a fact. Um, <laughs> uh, I've, I've had friends who have, who have injected stuff in there over the years, oh. and I... Oh, that's so sneaky. It's, it's, well, I did it. Have I talked? Oh, it was a terrible thing I did to the 
director on my first movie. This is back in the early days of IMDb when it was easy to do. And um, uh, I, I went in and I just gave him an entire filmography that, that no self-respecting filmmaker <laughs> would want. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. And it was up for years because he was not, you know, again, this is 90. So it's like not everybody was completely conversant the internet. And uh, I think finally he caught into it around 1999 and they didn't, all came down. Didn't you and Daniel Waters have... Re- oh, for many years. I'm so disappointed it's gone now. There was... Um, so when you do red carpet, I mean, you all know, you know, it's like the, the photographers are there and it's like, obviously, if you're George Clooney, they know who you are. But if you're, you know, some schmuck like me or Dan, they take your picture. And I guess they have little microphones in the cameras and they go, Josh Holes, Dan Waters, into the thing. And Dan and I were doing a red carpet together. We were at some function at Comic-Con for... Anchor Bay. We both had things coming out from Anchor Bay and we were doing a panel. So we did this uh, uh, red carpet. And then IMDb doesn't, I guess you can get to them and have them run your picture. You have to pay or something. But for, you know, other people, if they can easily grab one, they just throw it on whatever it is. And for some reason, for many, many, many years, uh, if you looked up Daniel Waters, writer of Heathers, Batman Returns and stuff, there would be a picture of me on the red carpet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it gave, gave both of us much pleasure for a long time, but they caught it. I wonder how many jobs he lost because of that. Hey, I looked like he got a few. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fetching picture. I thought. Um, but yeah, no, but you can still, I wonder is, um, oh, I, I, I won't. I have a friend who managed to get something on IMDb a long time ago that uh, I believe is still on there. But if I, if I out it, it, puts it at risk yeah, yeah but it's it's an old silent movie a real one a no no one. it's a fake one a fake that, that he, and then when he uh, uh he also used to work on the um what was it one of the it was a big hardcover multi-volume encyclopedia of film he says and they would do a lot of that stuff with old silence they would just make them up and oh wow yeah and then so that seeps into you know years later the internet databases and stuff so there's all these things out there that are not real so you can't trust them but uh yes uh, so that's it. Those are all your traumatic experiences that, uh, <laughs> I watched him. Look at his shell of a man. I watched <laughs> Sylvia Scarlet recently. I don't even know what that I is. I don't like ragging on films unless they're like 80 years old. Sure. <laughs> George Kikor blew it. <laughs> but I he think that's been, that's been considered a fact ever yeah. since the picture came out. Yeah. I mean, I mean there, there aren't a lot of fans of Sylvia Scarlet. It just doesn't work. But three years later, he does Holiday, one of the most, the greatest. No, no, it's a great movie. But, but Sylvia Scarlet yeah. is just as a story and with the casting. It just, it's a one-two punch. I mean, it just, it, it's, it's an absurd story that doesn't work. <laughs> so you got to see that, Josh. Because like, it starts out about grifting again. It's like 10 minutes about grifting and uh, Hepburn's on like an ocean liner and she looks like David Bowie in like a hat. And then they're like, ah, forget grifting. Let's put on a show. <laughs> And then they just start, they start touring around, putting on a show. And you're like, you were like in House of Cards or whatever. And now, now you're putting on a show. Anyway, don't watch Sylvia Scarlet. Um, uh, let me ask you this. And if, it's, if it goes nowhere, we'll, we'll cut it. I can't, were, were you, uh, did you do the Q&A with Michael Cimino for Thunderbolt and Lightfoot? No, I that bet so you that was. traumatized me or? bet you that was FX Feeney because they were tight. Oh, that could have been. It could have been okay. No, I think I've told the story where he, he, Chimino came out and sat on the microphone and proceeded to talk. But I don't think it was, it was somebody who was not comfortable <laughs> enough with him because it's like, here's this giant filmmaker and you're sitting there and like, how do I tell him he's sitting on a mic? But, but for about five minutes, you were, and it was, you know, you could hear. And I realized we're all sitting here literally listening to Michael Chimino talk through his ass, which was amazing. 
<laughs> I worked on a Chimino short kind of for five days. He shot at the arrow for a can, and the Coen brothers did their short. It took oh, them, that's right. Yeah, took that... them uh, six hours. Chimino shot for six days. <laughs> he was dolling down <laughs> the steps. When the legend becomes There you go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. It was really that. He was dolling downstairs, down the stairs, and the thing flew up, and we had to catch him because he was going to fall. And then he went out on Montana Avenue. He's like, I want you guys to hear the music we're going to play. And he played it at 10 out of a convertible. <laughs> People were coming out of stores <laughs> screaming. <laughs> that was a wonderful experience. Take the roof off of the theater, <laughs> move it across the street. And that was when it was Michael, not Michelle. Yeah. yeah. Wait, did that happen? Is that, is that, that real? Happened. I think so. I thought that was just a rumor. He looked very Rod Stewart when I saw him. Okay. Him. All right. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go out on a whimper. Um, <laughs> Grant, thank you so much for uh, coming and joining us and sharing these with us. And um, and there's uh, so many, so many titles now that we have to look for i mean the mooch title the mooch oh, i know i'm mooch. gotta see mooch i'm debating now whether or not i well you're showing it like five times or something right? well, it's, it's a Three. popular demand yeah but, i mean this but, this at that this year's Beyonce yeah but if you can't several, make it it's on amazon got, prime who's got the rights to that maybe they should just put it out as a yeah i, I think a bunch of people I, I sent to some guy that seemed to have the rights and he said okay i can't even remember the company it was they should put it out yeah, I would love to. I would. That's one film I, I mean, would. It's do got so many commentary. iconic people on it. I mean, you know, all these different people would want to see it. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I was, I, I've got the DVD if um, uh, based on your uh, mania for it. But I'm, I'm just debating whether or not I'm better off coming to see it at the Egyptian or just gathering together a bunch of drunks and throwing it up on the big screen. Either way, yeah, I watched it by as... myself in the middle of the night, so <laughs> you're going to be good any way you watch this. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Uh, well, thank you for joining us. Um, we'll see you uh, and at the movies. Many of you, yes, at Beyond Fest. Uh, thanks, Grant. Go. Our show was recorded in beautiful downtown Burbank. The official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the movies that made me. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.